Welcome to the Mildly Heroic Podcast, Visions of Feindar, an actual play of the Pathfinder Adventure Path, Iron Fang Invasion. And wouldn't you know it, Sir Dahoodwall ended up taking all four ladies to the ball himself. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like we missed out on a good story. Oh, don't worry, ma'am. He's just getting started. Yes, yes. Uh, Please, join us. Oh, thank you. I'm Sandra, and this is my daughter Vi. She was so excited to hear your stories when she found out that you were in town. Is that right? (laughs) Well, it's very nice to meet you two. So, Vi, what kind of stories would you like to hear? A silly tale, perhaps, of halfling travelers? A tragic romance? (laughs) Two dwarves destined to love but separated by the gods? (laughs) Or... Maybe I could sing a song of the many heroic deeds that took place in the Freedom War. (laughs) Well, can you tell me a story about the heroes of Feindar? Ooh, I'd like that too. Vi, I've heard some awful things about Feindar. I just think it might be too scary. Mom, I'm 11. Stories don't scare me anymore. Very well, but if you can't sleep tonight, don't expect to get out of your chores tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> She's a braver soul than me. Oh, don't worry. These are heroes we're talking about. There's nothing to be afraid of. Unless you're scared of storms. So, the heroes of Fyndor were traversing the Fengwood Forest in search of food for their camp. A dastardly storm loomed above them, threatening to fall at any moment as they scoured the woods. Finally, they arrived at a patch of berry bushes their dwarven camp companion, Kining, had scouted. But they weren't alone. The group was ambushed (laughs) by a trio of bramble lashes. The menacing tangle of vines, thorns and leaves lashed out. Pharaoh summoned a giant centipede into a flanking attack with Volus. With a swift swipe of his scimitar, he vanquished the first bramble. Nayari readied a flask of defoliant and shattered it against the ground, splashing another while Aiden assailed it with arrows, bringing it down. Orin and Nayari swung their weapons at the final bramble, smashing it to bits. And the four gathered their spoils to bring back to camp. However, the storm was unforgiving. Trees were torn asunder, lightning flashed, thunder bellowed as the sky sought the demises of our heroes. Splinters and branches littered the air, nearly striking Aiden. They knew they must find shelter at any cost. They ducked into a den beneath an ancient oak tree, only to discover it was already the home of a massive dire wolverine. The beast roared, outraged at the intruders. A desperate battle ensued, and our heroes reluctantly slew the creature. Once the storm subsided, the group returned to camp. 
However, they discovered the cowardly Adrian was a Morthuni imposter. That devil had stolen many of their supplies and ran away, tail between his legs like the cowardly dog he was. But that wasn't their only problem. Kining hadn't reported back from her scouting trip yet, and the survivors were worried. The four followed tracks they assumed were left by Kining. Along the way, Nayari questioned Orin's motives for his aggravation towards Kining once more. Along the way, Nayari's gonna kinda rib on Orin and say, You know, Orin, I don't know much about this subject, but I've heard people say that when a man and woman act coldly to one another, it actually means that they like each other. I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, the party stumbled upon a patrol of lizard people. Troglodytes! At their feet lay Kining, bound and unconscious. Aiden cried out as he led the attack. The trog's giant gecko companion lunged to bite. Nayari brought down her axe to clash with another lizard man. Volus and Theros joined the fray. Orin rushed in to assist, and as the creatures were beaten back, one of them released a bird into the air, and it disappeared into the sky. Nayari slew the gecko in retaliation. Aiden cleaved a trog, and Volus clawed through the last. Kining, are you okay? What happened? She kind of opens her eyes, and she's like taking a moment to gather herself, and she sees you. She kind of looks around. She sees everybody, and uh, the uh, the fallen captors. She says, "Hi, lassie. I'm all right. I uh, oh, my head. Oh." Goodness, the, these guys—they—they uh, they are coming at me, and they, they overtook me. The small dwarf legs weren't enough to get away. They—they uh, uh, they seem to be coming from the direction that I was heading. Uh, those caves—I think these are probably members of that uh, troglodyte uh, tribe that lives there that you guys were talking about. And then she kind of looks at all four of you, and then she looks at Orin a little bit longer, and and she. She kind of like makes a, a grunt and whatnot, but then eventually she does kind of force herself into saying, and she says, "Hey, uh, we have yeah, our di- we have our differences, but thank you for rescuing me." I'll just look back at her and just also grunt, like, "Don't don't make a habit of it." He'll start marching back to the camp. He he's not real psyched to go back to the camp either, but I he also really doesn't like the idea of someone dying because we don't have the supplies that we need. Yeah, I don't know. It was the start of a great friendship. Mm. Well, Doubtful. <laughs> you can braid each other's beards. The companions returned to camp with some of the survivors still on the brink of death due to filth fever. They determined they must find Madison. With that in mind, they made their way to the hermit's cabin that Sir de Hoodwall discovered days previously. Hoping to negotiate, they approached the dwelling, but they soon discovered they may have ended up with more than they bargained for. And you guys come to this clearing and you see this uh, this shack, you see an, an old, old lady standing outside and she looks up, she sees you, and you see her squint and then, like, 
roll her eyes. <laughs> and then she immediately turns into the cabin and closes the door real, real quick. I'm well aware of why you've come. I had just hoped that the visions would be wrong for once. I suppose there's nothing I can do to make you leave. I'll just get this over with. One of our companions is very sick, and we were wondering if you might have anything here that might help him uh, recover from <laughs> from this uh, disease that he's fighting. Once the transaction is done and she's handing off items, she hands off like the anti-plague to you, Nayari. And as you go out to reach it, she like lashes out and grabs your hand and pulls you forward down. And there's like a weird unnatural strength to her like how old she is like there's a there's a real strength as she pulls you down to, to face her and she looks and squints and peers into your eyes and she says your friend's not doing too well is she and she just lets you go what do you mean by that your friend the uh the other Kellid lady not all, not all there can you do something for her No, but I could maybe find a way for you to do something for her. Comes at a price, though. Niari! She opens the door real quick. Aiden, you go blind. And she immediately closes the door again. What do you mean? What is the price? I, I have certain abilities to see things, but... I can't do it without a certain amount of incense. He's yelling out now, like, Niari, like, she's made me blind, like, I can't see. Like, get out of there, kind of thing. He's just yelling. She then casts silence in the uh, doorway with a 20-foot spread. Holy cow! <laughs> oh my god. And she looks at you, Niari, and she says, You mentioned you had some gems. I could make incense with those, with what I have here. I could uh, do a ritual. Maybe divine what course of action you need to take. Absolutely. Uh, whatever Whatever you need me to do, I will do it. She smiles a wide grin. And she says, That's good to hear. We will pick up here, and uh, so we'll pick up right at the end of the conversation that uh, Nayari and Veld had. Veld had basically given Nayari details. She said, I can do a ritual for you. In order to do this ritual, I need a certain amount of uh, uh, gems or valuable items equivalent to that that I can then use to make an incense. And uh, she would have also added in, this is not something I think she mentioned before, but she would have added in that the more that is provided, the more stable the ritual becomes. Um, and so those are details that we can get to more importantly once, if we decide to do the ritual at some point. But we'll jump in at the end of that conversation. And I want to try something interesting here just to see how it works. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again. But I want to, since this is kind of a time-sensitive thing, depending on what you guys want to do, <laughs> I want to see if, if we can all roll initiative and then go in initiative order to see what people are doing and whatnot, because 
I'm curious to see how it goes. And I am no longer blind. Uh, You would be. That's another thing. She, until until this is over, she wouldn't dismiss that. So I'm still blind, and I can't talk, except if I whisper. Yes. Great. Pull out your miming skills. Yeah, it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be tough. At least I get that twenty initiative though. Mm, in that favorite terrain. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Perfect. Oh, I'm not doing anything for a while. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we will say that uh, her turn was to uh, open the door and cast Force Quiet on Aiden, and this is right after the, the conversation has ended with Nayari, so all of the information betrayed has gone down and everything has been finished. Uh, so, Aiden, what what do you do in this, in response to all of this? Uh, I can't see. Am I aware of the fact that she's cast another spell on me? Uh, yeah, you'd be aware that you are suddenly unable to make loud noises. Alright, mm-hmm. so I think he is going to like start like feeling out and trying to find Theros or Orin or something like that. Um, and he probably is still not yet emotionally able to like realize what's happening. So he's probably yelling too loud so that all of his voice is getting cut out by the spell. He's not yet like thought to whisper or quiet himself. So he's just like yelling inaudible noises trying to get someone's attention and looking all around him. So I guess I'll effectively delay question. I think. And uh, Oren, uh, you're at the back door there. She had locked the door uh, once you had come here. And uh, you heard uh, Aiden was kind of knocking on the door and he was kind of yelling out. And then suddenly he went quiet. Uh, You heard the door open on that side um but you don't see anything because you're at the back of the the house here are you still staying here in the back or what are you doing did i hear Aiden making a commotion um you would have heard him like knocking on the door saying nayari are you all right and then after that point he uh he was hit by that quiet spell so he hasn't been able to make much of a commotion since then Oh, then no, I'm just going to hang out back here then. How okay. would I know? Okay. And uh, Nayari, what are you doing? Uh, she has finished her offer uh, to do this ritual as long as you are able to procure the, the necessary uh, items. And uh, we can just assume, for simplicity's sake, that she has explained what she needs. You know what she needs. Um, she has opened the door and silenced Aiden <laughs> to try to you know keep things a little quiet here mm-hmm. um so what are you doing um i will rummage through the handy haversack and just kind of like pulling out like desperately trying to find you know any items that would match what she's looking for and um i don't know do you want me to just whisper those to you or do you want me to say what i would give to her uh, you can just whisper those to me. Uh, bear in mind that whatever you're looking for in the haversack is right at the top. That's the way right. that the haversack works. So well, she's like trying to think of what she wants to even give mm-hmm. um, based off on her request. So she's not even sure really 
what she's looking for, but I will let you know what I'm going to give you. Okay. So you are doing that. Whoa. Cool. That didn't, that didn't do it the way that I wanted it to. <laughs> That's bizarre. I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, and uh, give the initiative back up. So Nayari is pulling out all these things, trying to rummage and whatnot. Theros, what are you doing? Theros is going to be just watching Aiden, wondering what's going on, trying to make sense of why he's not talking. Like, he doesn't really understand. I, I wouldn't think he'd understand that he had a spell cast on him because he was sitting down here before uh, just having tea and heard... Iden shuffling around now he just sees him kind of like miming <laughs> so he's just thoroughly confused so he'd probably just say something like to Iden like are you alright my friend What what's going on <laughs> Josh can't say anything <laughs> well what's he doing Josh <laughs> um he probably like hearing Theros because he can hear he can't see so he's found Theros so he'll probably like reach out to like try to find him and like probably grab his arm or something like that. And um, he'll like start pointing towards the the shed kind of thing. How do you mime? This lady made it so that I can't talk and the Ari might be in danger. And I am so mad. I can't even think of a coherent sentence. I don't know how you communicate that with a mime, but he tries. So Theros will, well, will like, just kind of study or uh, Iden a little bit more and, and kind of pick up a little bit what's going on. He'll just call out, you know, Oren, there's something wrong with Iden. He he doesn't appear to be able to see or or hear. Nayari, what's going on? And I'll just kind of call out to both of them. Okay. Next up, top of the round. Um, yeah, like I said, there's no way I'm going to get this voice right, but I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> Come on, Svogreveld. Um, Don't die on us. You can do it again. So as Nayari is searching through her bag, Veld looks out the door and she sees um, she sees that uh, Theros is there. She sees Aiden is there. She hears Theros calling out to somebody else and uh, she kind of rolls her eyes and she looks over in, in the direction. She says, Oh, well... I suppose this could have gone a little bit better. Um, here, let's 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 just try for a fresh start here. And um, uh, I didn't roll another will save. A, a fresh start. Roll another will save, please. I, I don't trust you, man. I, there's no amount of trust. A fresh start is what I'm dead. Oh, there we go. Funnily enough, that's not enough. No way. What is the DC on that? No it's a, way. It's a, it's a spell called Forgetful Slumber. <gasps> and due to certain aspects of her class, the DC for enchantment things is much higher than normal DC. Because she's actually a witch. Because she legitimately is a witch. So it was DC 22. I had to get a nat 20? <laughs> oh, if your will saves that bad, then yeah, probably. So, 
Here is oh, what happened. Oh, no, Jason, I'm so mad at you. <laughs> I knew you would be. As soon as I looked up what this spell was, I saw it on the on the sheet here, and I I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, I'm so mad at you. I lit. Oh my gosh. Now Josh is mad. Aiden doesn't have a thought, but Josh wants to kill you. Oh, man. So, Aiden, you feel this pressure in the back of your skull. And as you're frantically trying to look around, you're frantically trying to speak, you suddenly feel insanely tired. And as this as this slumber overtakes you, you kind of collapse to the ground and you fall deeply asleep. And let's see how my parents are. They they're they're ordering me food. So. Would would Theros have to roll a heal or like spellcraft check to to know whether what his condition was? Like if he was asleep or if he how he just passed out? Is that a thing? Uh, you have spellcraft, yes, yes. Uh, you can roll. You can roll spellcraft to try to identify the spell that she has cast. But I would be able to identify at least that it's magic that that made him pass out. You, you'd know. You'd know by default that she cast a spell. But in okay. order to identify what spell it was, you'd have to make a spellcraft yeah, check. DC is uh, identify a spell as it is being cast. DC fifteen plus spell level. Uh, so you're not so able to identify what the spell is, but you see that she cast a spell and you're looking down and uh, with your perception, you would know that he's not dead. He is asleep. You can hear him snoring. Yeah. Snoring vigorously. <laughs> um, I doesn't snore is the thing though. <laughs> so I don't know about that. That's why it stood out to him. It's weird. Iden doesn't weird. think he snores, but he does. Maybe Iden is a master of stealth and sleeping quietly <laughs> in the bank, but master of stealth. MOS. <laughs> Moss stealthy. Trust me. And then as she casts the spell, Veld kind of like uh, takes a step up to him and uh, as a uh, for the rest of her turn, she just looks over at you, Theros, and says, uh, uh, yeah, you can wake him up if you want. Uh, at this point, it's fine. Uh, I don't know, uh, what, uh, he's gonna do when he wakes up. Hopefully he, uh, he won't remember any of this, but, uh, we'll see. And that's her turn. And Aiden, you're asleep. Oren, you're up. You heard, uh, Theros yelling out at you that something was wrong with Aiden. <laughs> Can I roll a perception check on my turn to see if I hear her say that hopefully he'll forget? That sounds totally within the realms of the action economy, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Since we're in initiative order, is movement speed a factor? Right yes. Alright, so I'll just double move over here and that'll be my turn. Okay. You start moving over, and at this point, you get like around the trunk of that tree, and you can kind of see. Oh wait, sorry, I can move further. Hang on, sorry. Uh, yeah, boots. Yeah, boy. Right. Bounding so actually, over. I, <laughs> Fancy new kicks. All the way over. Yeah, I can't say anything because that's my turn. But yeah, so you you get over there, and you can see that uh, Veld is just outside her door, and Aiden is on on the ground, and Theros is kind of standing there uh amidst all of this confusion uh nayari back to you what's up 
Um, so I think at this point she's given the stuff to Veld and she's like, what did you do to him? Did you, did you hurt him? Okay. So you have, you have put the things on the table there in her shack. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Theros, is there anything that you're doing? I would more or less concur with Nayari's, uh, logic at that point, just asking Veld, What's going on? What happened? Did you do this to him? Okay. And uh, Velt will respond. Uh, she says, uh, Yeah, I, sorry about that. I was, uh, I'm not used to people, and uh, he was being very loud, so I might have jumped, the, jumped uh, into action there a little bit too quick. But um, yeah, he's fine. He's just asleep. Uh, he's not going to remember any of this. So. Uh, Nothing to worry about. She uh, then steps back in and starts looking at the stuff that was put on the table. I wrote stuff, Jace. <laughs> I prepped for this ahead of time. Ah! <laughs> I'm sure you did. I literally, I have a, oh, I have a whole thing. That I was gonna say to. Ah! Well, it may still come up. Who knows? Um, so she will gather all of the uh, items that has been that have been passed over there, and I'm looking. Okay, okay, and uh, she will gather all those items, and she will start to like put them into like a a uh, a bowl and start like grinding them into into like a usable uh, substance that she can then make into an, an incense. Um. Aiden, you are still asleep. You have not been woken up yet. Uh, or say, do I get, is that just a regular sleep? Like I don't get save, like consecutive saves to wake up or anything like that? It does not appear so. Okay. No. Um, Oren, it is your turn. Uh, again, you, so you heard Veld say that he's just asleep and uh, all of that. What do you do? I'll just walk over and nudge him <laughs> try to wake him up <laughs> you go over there and, and you uh, kind of shake him a little bit and uh, he does wake up what's easy. the last thing I remember so you remember walking and uh, with everybody else you were walking through the forest and you were making your way to the hermit's shack um but the last five minutes of your memory are a haze. Uh, I will say that you you feel like something is off, like something happened, and uh, you were distressed for some reason, but you have no idea why. Uh, you wake up and you're able to see. Uh, the forced quiet is still in effect. That is not a dismissible spell. Uh, so you're still not able to like shout or yell or anything, but you wake up. You can't remember the last couple minutes, uh, and you can see. So it's it, it's weird, and as far as you're concerned, it's like you were walking on the way here, and then all of a sudden, it's like you blacked out and you woke up, and you're just kind of like in front of the shack, and that's kind of where you're at mentally. All right. So he's gonna reach out, and as soon as he's awoken, he's gonna go for his weapon and like also use his other hand to like grab Orin's arm as he's like, Orin. What happened? I'm missing time. 
and he's trying to like piece like his last thought to ha- like where he is now and he's looking all around and trying to make sense of what's up yeah and i i heard uh, is it what's her name veld 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 so yep. i heard her explain that she's the one that put him to sleep right hmm. yeah you heard her basically say yeah he's fine he's just asleep hopefully he'll be he'll calm down a bit when he wakes up something like that okay so i'll just be like you know the the old lady she put you to sleep for you being too loud Orton finds it kind of comical <laughs> oh man he probably like shouts something that's actually inaudible <laughs> because he's mad of being accused of being too loud and like not listened to and uh, that's probably it for this if we're still in initiative that's all he could get out Okay. Um, I think at this point we can drop out of initiative. I just wanted to see how things would work out in the time-sensitive part there. Um, Yeah, dropping out of initiative, basically what happens is Veld will continue to uh, kind of make this this incense that she has, but that is going to take up quite a lot of time. So what do the rest of you do? Like, Nayari, what do you do after this? Uh, do you go outside or do you stay in there with, with uh, Veld? Uh, what's everybody what is, What's everybody thinking they're doing? Did she tell me how long it was going to take? Uh, yeah, she would have told you. Um, creating the incense is going to take a couple minutes because she has to take what are essentially gems and she has to break them down and then she has to mix them with some of the ingredients that she has and create an incense out of them. Um, uh, yeah, so Mary will kind of step up and she's still keeping an eye on Veld and what she's doing, but she'll say, Aiden, you you are getting very upset and um, everything is fine. There's nothing that you need to be worried about. I'm sorry for what she did to you, but... Um, we need not fear her. She is not our enemy. What did she do, Niari? We were just bartering. Um, I was able to procure some items that will help us out immensely. Um, and because our negotiations were a little quiet, you seemed to get quite upset. But um, nothing, nothing happened that was bad. This is all good for us. Niari, I've said it before, and it's still true. I will trust you. I know you won't do anything to bring us harm. But I wonder. I can't remember what happened, Niari. I do not like that feeling. I understand. I know that it's... Uncomfortable. She'll just trail off as he just turns away and walks away. <laughs> and he's um, going to go probably sit on that stump and try to piece together as much as he can what happened. Veld, is it best for us to stick around or is this something that you would need me to come back for? Uh... Yeah, I'm going to need you in a, a couple minutes here. Uh, I'm going to need some of your blood for the incense, but uh, that can wait a couple minutes. 
if you have things you need to talk about. Is there anything that you need to have done around here while we're waiting? Uh, yeah, actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, there's some wood out there that needs to be split. Uh, the roof is peeling a little bit. Um, if you could maybe, uh, go over there and, and, uh, tend to the garden a little bit, that, that'd be a, a lot of help, actually. And she just basically gives you a, a number of chores, like a list of tasks that are just like manual labor stuff. Um, and then she says, uh, yeah, if you're able to get all that done, I'll give you some. I'll, I'll I'll give you some some uh, some food and stuff because I know that's what you came for. So Nairi will relay that to the others and say, "Listen, um, part of our negotiations was if we were to help her out with uh, some of the work that needs to be done around here, so that she would give us additional supplies that we can take back to the camp." And I figured, you know, our our time and effort was worth what we could take back to the camp. So. Um, and she'll list off the things that Veld kind of told her, and then she'll probably go over and start, you know, splitting logs or something. Bef- before she moves away, like Theros will just kind of like touch her shoulder for a moment to keep her from passing and lean in and say, Did she ask for your blood? Why is she asking for your blood? It's nothing. It's fine. It was, um,. You, you don't need to worry about it. It's fine. I have it under control. And she'll just kind of smile and walk away. Theros being non-confrontational will still be not <laughs> accept that answer, but he will let her go. Okay. So do all of you start doing these tasks that Nayari mentioned or or not? Yeah. Yeah. Orn will grunt and go work on a roof, I guess. <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, is the door open? No, she closed it once Nayari left. Shrewd. Wait, Thorin is going to work on the roof? The short guy is going to work on the roof? Well, I didn't think he'd be much help in a garden. He has boots of springing. I'm sure he can yeah. just like so, jump and he's up on top of the roof. Right? I, got <laughs> I don't think that's shoes. actually what they do. Okay. But I have fancy shoes. I mean, I do get an acrobatics thing. Boots. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, you get awesome. a competency. I mean, it took me from negative six to negative one, but... <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you can try to get up on the roof. Yeah. But... <laughs> I think I'll just take my time. I don't think I need to do anything fancy to get up there. Theros is a druid, obviously gardening his his forte. Yeah, so. that's what my thoughts were. I was like, well, we got <laughs> to makes druid. sense. I think I'll leave the gardening to him, and I'll work on the roof, I guess. So I'm going to go and act as if I'm about to start one of the items on the task. But then as people start pulling away, then assume that they begin spacing themselves away from the cabin a little bit to do some of the chores that are out and around the uh the property um Aiden's gonna walk over to the door okay and try it does it unlock is it locked uh she did not lock it no okay also I'm gonna stomp really heavily when I'm walking on the roof (laughs) (laughs) how rude She's rude. She, she takes like a broom lunch. and like hits the ceiling. <laughs> so he probably doesn't even remember her name, right? Except that uh, Duhudwal told him. Yes. So yeah. you know that. Old lady. 
He's going to slowly begin opening it, and he'll announce his presence, being like, Veld, I'm coming in. Okay, oh, you open the door, and uh, you, you say that, and uh, you hear her sigh, and she says, Oh, you are an annoying one, aren't you? I try not to be. And uh, he's staring at her intently as, what's she doing? Uh, she's just grinding uh, what looks to be a, a number of gems uh, into a, a fine powder. What is this for? And he's quiet as he's talking. It's for your friend's ritual. What ritual? And he'll start walking closer into the room. She has a she has a friend that uh, she wants to help, and she doesn't know how. I can use rituals to see visions, have other people see visions. She gave me something that I wanted, so I figured I'd be nice and I'd offer her this opportunity. I have learned one thing, Veld. No one is nice. You will forgive my suspicion, but I wonder what your true intentions are. She uh, doesn't really respond for a little bit. Um... But if you just kind of keep standing there, she'll eventually say, You're free to be suspicious. I am a suspicious person. I get that. Um, but uh, your friend agreed to this. And it's not like I'm going to kill her or anything. So you don't have to worry about that. I'm just doing this. Out of gratitude. Gratitude? For what? She points to the old robes that uh, Nayari traded to her. They belong to someone you knew. Yes. He'll nod. I do not like what you did to me. That's fair. The thing is, there... I am low on people to trust. And if I cannot even trust myself, that is too much. Do not do that again. She doesn't respond. She just keeps going about what she's doing. And listen. I will only do this because I care about Niari. And I, I want her friend to be well. That is true. He'll kind of stiffen his tone a bit. What if any harm at all comes to this? Anything. And he'll look around to see if anyone's like eavesdropping or listening in. And he says, 
I do not want to make an empty threat. Do not hurt Niari. And roll, I'll take his... Roll the sense motive. Sure. You've conversed with her for a little bit here. Yeah, get a little, get a little chance, get a little chance. I'll tell you what Josh thinks. Josh thinks that she's being a little bit more genuine than I originally laid on, but Aiden, Aiden might not know. <laughs> yeah, with that, I mean, it's hard to tell from her body language. It's it's very clear to you that she's not used to interacting with people. She's probably been out here isolated for who knows how long. Uh, so she's not she's not accustomed to interacting with people. Uh, she's probably used to the, the quiet and whatnot. So you get a sense that maybe that's why she responded so drastically to the situation. Um, and as you're talking about Nayari and whatnot, you're unable to read specific like body language as to whether or not she is, you know, definitely not going to do anything to harm Nayari or if, you know, there's some consequences to this ritual that you don't know about or if she's just a totally evil person, you're not able to really tell one way or the other. She's I don't very think she's totally evil. evil, but I do think that there are consequences to this that she's not letting us know about. It's a classic thing. Like, so classic. Like, it, and it, I, here's my suspicion. So I bet it's going to be one of those classic um, kill one to save one kind of scenarios. Some part of the ritual will cause the equivalent harm to someone else in the world, but Ilika will appear revived and healthy and everything like that. That's that's Joshua's first thought is going to happen. Okay, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if you're right. We'll see. But after that, he'll take his leave. He has no intention of talking to her further. Just that he's upfront about where he is and how he feels about her and what he'll do. Okay. So once you're done talking, do you go out and you start doing one of the tasks? Yeah, I start doing the tasks like everyone else. Like, <laughs> okay. Nothing so, else is wrong. Basically, she has five provision points that she can give, but the way that you get them is doing these tasks, and the tasks that she gives you are um, strenuous enough that they would deal 1d6 non-lethal damage. Um Ooh and you get one provision point per d6. So basically, if collectively you took 5d6 non-lethal damage as a party, you could get five provision points from her by doing all these tasks like reshingling the roof or chopping down all the wood or tending to the garden or etc. etc. Let's do it. Um, so you guys can divvy that up as you would like. You could each take one and maybe somebody takes 2d6 or maybe you only do four tasks so you don't have to worry about uh, that, but it's uh, it's up Let's to you guys. see here. Does endurance help here? <laughs> Fishing on everything, man. Uh, no idea what endurance is good for there. Made to avoid non-lethal damage from starvation or thirst. From hot or cold yeah. environments or to resist damage from suffocation, or to avoid non-lethal damage from a force march. So no, it will not help with daily chores. <gasps> Orin is really stomping hard on the roof. <laughs> you breaking the roof? The <laughs> took, so Orin did the 2d6. I, well, I was going to say 
like Nayari is going to do two d six as well. Okay, um, so that's only one d six that somebody else has. To yeah, do. just because like she's kind of um, unlike when she rages in combat, she's very like vigorously chopping this wood with almost a, like a sense of purpose. Like she's focused and she's working very very hard. Well, in that case, thematically, it makes sense for Orin to take the last one. Oh, no, he did. Theros. I mean, yeah. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> literally just clomping no, around no. on top of this room. Oh, just the first one, Andrew. Just the two, Dan. Yeah, you only had to do 1d6. Oh, okay. Collectively, it was 5d6. Because there's no more that we could get by doing more. Yeah. Right. Else so I would that... take way more damage. <laughs> yeah, so with that, uh, Orin takes five non-lethal. Nayari takes two non-lethal. And Theros also takes two non-lethal. And with that, you guys are able to get... She will, She will. once this is all over, she will give you five provision points in exchange for the work that you did. Um, okay. And Nayari, she will actually grab you uh, once you're starting to finish up with the wood there, and she will grab you and take you back into the hut. Uh, she has uh, finished making this powder that she needs. She's mixed it with a couple other alchemical items that she has there, and it's kind of a paste at this point. And uh, she she brings you in, and she basically tells you to hold out your hand. And uh, she pulls out a small knife, and she cuts your hand um, rather deep. Uh, it is a, a very deep cut, and you're bleeding very profusely uh, right onto this paste, which is in a bowl. And you take the equivalent of two constitution damage. Ooh. That's one, not insignificant. It's so, not. That, so if I put a one in there, will that do? Wait, it's it's second. enough to do a minus oh, negative one. one. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as a certain amount has bled out, she kind of waves her hands, and the wound heals and closes back up. Nice. And you old. feel you feel slightly lightheaded because you've lost a, a decent amount of blood there, but it's not an amount that would uh, pose like a threat to your life or anything. Uh, it's basically it's basically the amount of blood that you'd give it, like if you were donating blood. It's like right. what, like a pint of blood? A pint normally, I think it is. Which is actually a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh. much blood. If you... So that would take me down a tier in my con. Yeah, you'd have a minus Correct. one penalty. Okay, so then my max HP goes down to 27... Like I lose three HP. Yes, you okay. would lose your hit dice, and, and but I don't points. lose current HP, or I do lose current HP. You would uh, lose current. Yeah, you would. You, you would lose current. So that would go down as well, because you know, roll twenty. The character sheet doesn't do that. If I put in, yeah, yeah, no, you would. Okay. Um. So yeah, we're all there though, watching this happen, or is she alone? Uh, it depends. So she only brought Nayari in, but if the rest of you enter. Then you can all be there. Um, I definitely assume not, uh, Theros would have gone in knowing what he heard said earlier. <laughs> Iden's there, watching, and on his claymore, just resting there, just chilling. He's just a nice claymore. <laughs> okay. So in that case, um. Once she mixes all of this blood into this paste and uh, kind of gets it all ready, 
She then places it on the table and she takes a match and throws it in there and it just lights on fire. And it starts to very quickly uh, emit a smoke. And uh, this smoke just comes out and it fills the whole room. And uh, eventually the room is almost covered in like this mist or fog that uh, smells... um, There's a certain amount of fragrance to it that you might expect from alchemical items, but there's also a kind of a sickening tinge of smell because of how much blood was in this thing. Um, But this mist kind of permeates this room, and uh, she has Nayari sit at this table across from her. She tells Nayari to hold out both of her hands, and if Nayari does so, she will grab both of her hands with hers, and she will basically say, this process might be a little painful. It will only continue for as long as you are willing for it to continue. As soon as you will for the ritual, for the ritual to end, it will end. But the longer that you persevere, the more you will see. And she's explaining all this to you. When she finishes her explanation, Nayari will look in the eyes of Orin, Aiden, and Theros and she will say you are my friends but if you stop this don't stop this and she's dead serious Give me a moment. Gotta think about this. Aiden immediately attacks. I'm thinking about it. Not really, though, but. Can she die, Veld? Probably not. It does not exactly sound reassuring. It's not exactly a perfect science. Theros will just look at Nayari and slowly just knowingly nod his his head. He doesn't like what he's being told, but he will abide by her wishes. Okay. So... Orin just probably grunts, I would assume. Oh yeah, no, he's just gonna let her do her thing for Man, now. Man, I was waiting for you he's just to just grunt promises. yourself. <laughs> I was queuing you up, like. Hmm. <laughs> so, well, he's not making any promises. So basically, how this is going to go is the ritual is going to progress in essentially rounds. Um, it's more like a minute duration, but. For the sake of simplicity, it's written in rounds. Um, each round, Nayara, you will see a scene. Once that scene ends, you're going to take a certain amount of wisdom damage as the stress of this ritual begins to build. Uh, given the amount of incense that you were able to create to stabilize this ritual, you will only take 1d2 points of wisdom damage per scene per round, basically. Ah, uh, that's what that was. Yes. Uh, the minimum amount would have resulted in 1d8 per round. 
So that is why Veld said that the more you give, the more stable the ritual becomes. Um, I got a 10 wisdom. I could have lasted two rounds. Oh, man. So it's gonna be you're going to push it for the full minute, aren't you? You could die here. I don't think uh, you can die from wisdom damage. Yeah. You just go unconscious, I think. Yeah, you just no. go unconscious. You go unconscious. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. So what happens here is that uh, Nyari, you're there. She's holding your hands, and she tells you to like open your eyes. And as you do, she blows this incense directly into your eyes. Ah, my contacts. And um, you feel <laughs> a, a burning sensation in your eyes and it forces you to to shut them tightly and you begin blinking rapidly trying to ease this uh this burning and you almost try to like rub at your eyes but she's holding your hands tightly and you're not able to do so and after a a little bit of time passes your vision slowly uh returns and you look up and you're no longer in veld's shack you are in a completely black space and the ground beneath you is nothing but a slowly roiling fog and in all directions your vision is blocked by similar walls of fog and slowly this ever-shifting fog begins to rise up around you and coalesce into various shapes at first it is hard to make anything out but eventually the fog solidifies enough for you to recognize fort ramgate in the distance you see a dozen blood crazed hobgoblins charging towards you their wispy bodies kind of roiling uh, as they charge and behind them Riding a warhorse clad in the garb of a Malthuni commander is what appears to be a young human man. At first, you cannot see his face because of his helmet. The very next moment, his helmet vanishes like smoke being blown away in the wind. And despite this great distance between you, you can clearly see the face of Elwood. His expression contorted in a mixture of rage, horror, and shock. A mass of fog surges around and through you, immediately restructuring itself before you into the familiar form of your brother, Severin. Axes in hand, he charges towards the hobgoblins. From behind, you hear Ilika's voice screaming in strained desperation and agony. As you turn around, the shapes in the fog scatter and dissipate, leaving no trace behind. Roll 1d2. This is great. I'm having a good time. Are you guys having fun? Okay. You take one point of wisdom damage after the, as the first scene comes to a close. Also, I think it'll be very important, by the way, for this scene to consider some of the things that happen to you as you lose wisdom. Um, I'll keep them in mind, but your ability to basically act as a wiser conscious individual goes down the lower it gets. So just as a role play decision, you might be more inclined to push your look, the less wisdom you have kind of situation. Um, but yeah, crazy, 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 crazy. And those of you outside of this ritual, uh, you guys are still in the shack. You're not seeing any of this. 
but you're seeing um, Nayari after she finished blinking. Uh, her eyes went wide, and her and her eyes kind of rolled back in her head slightly. Um, and after a couple seconds pass, the equivalent of this scene, you see her kind of you know sweat is starting to bead beads of sweat is starting to grow on her on her forehead and drip down and uh her face starts to grimace slightly and uh, in uh, a little bit of pain and back in nayari's uh world here you're still in this black space and the fog returns to the same scene as before the battlefield at fort rangate but this time it shows the remnants of the battlefield Hundreds of bodies lie scattered around you. However, only one body remains upright. You see Severin kneeling on the ground in the same spot that he had charged. Dozens of arrows protrude from his unmoving body, as well as a few javelins and other weapons. Yet even still, his slightly slumped body refuses to collapse, as if even in death he refuses to fall. You then see the fog coalesce and form in the distance as another figure approaches. It eventually forms the shape of a beautiful elven woman clothed in Nirmathi hunter's garb. She carries body after body from the battlefield to a row of pits and one by one lays them to rest. You see her face and for a moment you recognize her, but at the same time you don't. You have certainly never seen this woman before, but she somehow looks very familiar. And just as the woman approaches Severin's body and begins to pick him up as well, the fog once again scatters. Roll 1d2. <laughs> Jason, I like what you've done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. No wonder you were busy, too busy to play video games this week. You're like, sorry guys, I'm writing a novel. <laughs> so, not to break up the flow here, but just so I'm correct, when I get to two, that takes my modifier down. Yes. So, okay. Yep, every even number, you will be taking the penalty. Mm-hmm. Although this doesn't actually affect Drain, so her actual score won't change. Correct, it is not Wisdom Drain. It's just damage. Right, but for the purposes of my sheet, I put it as yeah, as if it fine. were drained, just so I have an idea of the things that are affected. As a new player, totally how are those different? Does she regain back, like, after a day, those lost wisdom? The lost wisdom? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ability damage is regained at a rate of one per day. Drain is not regained naturally. Okay. You have to cast a spell to get it back. That's kind of what I figured. And on uh, the added to that too is drain actually would affect you a lot more so damage for example let's say you're a 10 wisdom creature that means you have the average wisdom of a human correct me if i'm wrong on this chase but damage as you take that you are still technically a 10 wisdom creature you just happen to have let you have a negative to your modifier drain would actually change your stats so you would lose wisdom it would affect your ability to do things. So, for example, if your intelligence went below three, you wouldn't be able to be conscious or, like, have a thought with people. You gotcha. could talk, that kind of stuff. Those kinds of effects don't happen if it's just damage. Okay. I think that's correct. I could be wrong, but I think that's how it works. Yeah, damage gives you penalties. Drain actually lowers the score. Right. So, and, and if you have too low of an ability, you actually can't do some things. Like I said, you have to have at least an intelligence of three to be able to talk. 
so that would take place with drain and it wouldn't take place with damage gotcha what happened that next? kind of stuff <laughs> yeah i know i know i'm ready as the third scene begins nayara you hear the sound of weeping the fog forms the shape of a door and then slowly swings just a crack open in front of you and looking beyond you see the wispy form of Ilika lying on a bed with her hands raised above her holding a small knife towards her own throat for just a second you think you see in the fog a second shape this one hovering just above Ilika parallel to her and somehow suspended in the air you hear a wispy voice say well if you've no more will to live you certainly won't protest if i take your place will you the shape then surges downwards overtaking Ilika's form and as it does her arms go limp and the dagger collapses to the foggy ground below and the fog scatters once more. Roll the D2. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Four wisdom damage. Oh, that's ticking up. You want to make sure you roll low enough to at least see the vision. Okay. The fourth uh, vision begins. And you see around you the fog... Um, begins to form the shape of buildings. And you slowly begin to recognize these buildings as buildings in Feindar, but they all look collapsed and dilapidated. And as you're looking around, you can see a tower not too far away going 60, 80 feet into the air. And walking around you are dozens of these hobgoblin figures and you can see that uh, about half a dozen of them have kind of lined up in a group and you don't recognize any of them you didn't see any of them in the initial attack but standing in front of them is a hulking figure a huge uh you're not sure if it's a hobgoblin or not you're looking at it from behind but this huge figure stands in front of these six and it looks as if this huge figure is yelling out orders and giving directions. And it's in a language that you're not familiar with. You don't know what they're saying, but you can hear the conversation continue. And you do pick up the words Kelid and um, Scott. No, um, and Malgrim. Those are the two words that you pick up because all the other words are in a language you don't understand, but those two words were actually Kellid and Malgrim. Yeah. As you've spelled them. Um, and then as the conversation ends, those six figures begin to leave and you see them cross over Feindar bridge. And as they step onto the shore, the uh, fog once again scatters roll one D two. Okay, five wisdom. The fifth scene begins, and once again the fog coalesces, but this time the fog 
churns and roils into a massive spherical mound. Atop this mound are dozens of small stones arrayed in circular uh, rounds surrounding one massive stone at the mound's apex. This stone rises 20 to 30 feet into the sky in a rounded column with three large holes uh, smoothly dug into it near the top going down to the middle. You see several figures around this mound. At first, they appear to be humans in Kelid tribal garb, and it looks like their arms are raised in a, a sort of prayer or, or ritual, perhaps to Gorum or Desna. It's hard to say. But then, in a, a moment, the figures shift. The fog, the wispy fog, um, kind of spins. Each of these figures spins kind of like a top. And then as it stops spinning, they now are hobgoblins in the same pose but now the um the once what was once sounded like a a religious rite now sounds like the opposite it sounds like a a blasphemous desecration and these figures are the same ones that you saw in the previous scene the ones that had left Feindar. and it looks like they are now at whatever this location is doing these uh these rites and uh, one such hobgoblin uh, kneels before the massive stone column, arms raised, chanting this prayer in the goblin tongue. And you see uh, dark energies from this fog swirl around several of the stones on this mound. And before you can see where these swirls are going, everything dissipates once more. But this time, it dissipates in a tidal wave of smoke that overtakes you. And you feel the same intense burning in your eyes once more. And as you shut them tight and rub the pain away, the next time you open them, you're once again in Veld's shack. Roll the final 1d2. Okay. There's a total of seven points of wisdom damage. So effectively, minus three modifier. Yes. And it's a good thing that you uh, went for the tier that you did, because if that had been a D3, you might not have made it all the way. Because mm -hmm. uh, you're only three away from your 10, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, so that was Probably. actually kind of close. Yeah, could have not made it for sure. Whew. Talk about an exposition dope, though. <laughs> yeah. As the vision fades and she finds herself back in the cabin, she's breathing really hard and there are tears streaming down her face uh, that she didn't even realize. She didn't realize that she was crying and she's going to stand up very abruptly and just kind of look around. And then she's going to, um, push her way out of the cabin and she's out here and she just starts screaming and she's like, I trusted him. I trusted him. I trusted him. She screams over and over and she just starts like 
I don't know, the nearest tree or wherever, she just takes her axe and she's just like over and over and over. She's just like ripping into this tree, like screaming. I trusted him over and over and over. And then it falls onto the shed. and <laughs> really rad. The newly repaired roof of Orange <laughs> just collapses into the house. <laughs> and, uh... I worked hard on that! <laughs> I took 2d6 points of non-lethal damage! <laughs> and as you stand up and you run out there and you're doing all of this, Nayari, you have one of the worst headaches you've ever felt. Uh, your mind feels sluggish and drained and it is uh, very painful to just think at all mm-hmm. yeah and i think after a while she just exhausts she exhausts herself and she just like throws the axe on the ground and falls to her knees and just starts weeping into her hands uh great that's gonna take a little bit of time so Aiden is going to talk to veld if possible i don't know what the other people Want to do? I'll give them some time. Theris will go outside. Not you won't speak to Nari, but he'll just kind of watch to make sure she's okay and doesn't like keel over from whatever happened. He doesn't know what she saw, or what she went through, but um, as a pseudo half healer of the group, he he feels kind of responsible to at least make sure everybody's standing up. Hmm. Yeah, and I think ironically, you know, because they had caught the palm of her hand, you know, with her face in her hands her blood has like opened up and is like mixing with tears and it's just probably a gruesome sight to see it's just you know just like blood pouring off of her face but it's it's not actually like she hasn't really hurt herself other than that Oren come stand beside me (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a good movie Um, Oren do you have anything you want to do no, dwarves aren't good with this emotional nonsense. <laughs> and then to Veld, then. I do not know how visions work, Veld. And is there like a chair or something that he can move to sit down in? Yeah, the uh, chair that Nayari got up from, you could sit across the table there. Just uh, uh, meta yeah. real quick, I'm just glad the most social character in this in this gameplay is now interacting with like the least social person we've met. It's like talking to her we're constantly. She's like, get out of here. Constantly bothering her. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a seat and uh, he'll kind of like lean in a little bit. He'll be like, can you, did you see what she saw? Yes. I do not think Niari... Uh, give me a second. Someone's here. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> this like, is my house. <laughs> you can't just invite strangers into my house. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. <laughs> I got food delivered. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, I forgot. I, I called the Uber Eats. Anyhow, yeah, that's mine. Anyhow, <laughs> where were we? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I do not think Niari would be able to tell us now. What did she see? She saw a lot of things that. Well, most of it's up to interpretation, really. It, uh, it 
it's a bit difficult to say exactly what everything was without the context that she might have, but even she will likely have to put some of the pieces together. But I do know some of the places that she saw. She saw a scene of a battle and its aftermath. She saw a scene with her friend, a scene of Feindar, and she saw a scene with a, an ancient shrine that her ancestors often used after battles to celebrate and to heal. Does she seem pained by what she saw? The same as Niari, a little bit. Uh, you know, she looks like she's handling it pretty well. Hmm. Kind of like in a cold, matter-of-fact kind of way. <laughs> yep. Do you see a way that we can help Niari? Well, I can give you my interpretation on how you could help her friend given what she saw in her visions. And he'll just kind of like nod and I have time to listen. I think Theros is with Niari now. And uh, he'll be quiet. And uh, she will give her interpretation uh, for the sake of my own voice. I'm not going to do it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voice, but Absolutely. Basically, what she will say is that, uh, and again, this is all coming from her perspective, and she doesn't have the context that Nayari might have, but from the scenes, Veld would probably suspect that uh, the death of one person is what caused the kind of like mental fracture of Nayari's friend, uh, given what she saw in the first scene. Um, but she doesn't know who any of these people are, so she's kind of just assuming. Um, she assumes that uh, the friend has been most likely, most likely possessed by some sort of spirit, uh, which is causing her to be unable to really think for herself or do anything for herself. Um and she would explain to you, and as she's talking, you realize that she is incredibly knowledgeable. Like she knows just a lot of details. Like she's going into the religion of Desna, the history of the Kelids. Wow. Uh, she knows a lot. Um, and you don't know where she would have learned this. Maybe it was all just through years or decades of seeing visions of it, of who knows what, but She's telling you all of this, and with her understanding, she's basically assuming that in order for Ilika to recover, she needs to confront the death of this other person. And in order to do that, the vision seemed to imply that you'll need to go to wherever this shrine is, maybe do like a Kelid ritual to lay down the to properly lay uh, that person's soul to rest 
Uh, maybe do like a prayer of healing or something like that. She's just kind of spitballing from what she knows of the religious uh, religions of the Kelads and of that particular site. And uh, she says that it looks like someone is desecrating that location. It's hard to say when, because there's no time in the visions. But she would let you know that one of the more important days for uh, the Kelads would have been uh, on moonless nights. So perhaps, her interpretation again, perhaps going to this site on a moonless night and doing, like, cleansing it, doing this ritual, properly laying the soul of this fallen warrior to rest, and then having Ilika confront all of that could potentially uh, force that spirit out and, and have her regain control. Of course, there's every possibility that it has the opposite effect. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if Iden would really know how mental illnesses work or whatnot, but sometimes confronting it can be good and sometimes it can really not be good. Well, I was going to say, uh, we're not really like, voicing it out but it is funny this one kind of feels more like a video game where you're like you've just been given your quest and then you mm -hmm. have like the three additional dialogue options that you can click to get more information before you accept it i feel like that's what this uh, situation is like yeah. um first of all you mentioned that she's very knowledgeable and i know this might be kind of a at a left field but does she remind aiden of nolan at all like the way he would talk about religions and that kind of thing um is there a parallel there it is slightly different. Um, it doesn't have the sense of like awe and uh, passion that he would have had. Mm. It's more of a factual, uh, detached retelling of all of this. Mm -hmm. A lot of what she says lines up with what he says, but the way it is said is different. So then, you know, he'll select dialogue option A. Could this hurt Ilika? <laughs> Could this hurt her? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and Veld would basically says say that there's no way of knowing until you do it. Dialogue option number two. When is the next moonless night? <laughs> um, I actually had to. I actually had to look this up. I had to get a calendar for Galarian at the time Whoa. that we're at. Well, I was actually going to ask. I think that the campaign journal is wrong. Aren't we two years ahead from what it says in two thousand seventeen? 4717. Okay. Why did so, it's different in the campaign journal. I thought it said 4717. Do you mean to tell me Pathfinder creators had enough foresight to create an astrological, astronomical chart for uh, <laughs> for the world? Yeah, no, there, is. there is. Well, to be fair, they cheated a little bit by copying the, the uh, Julian... What's the Julian calendar? That's what it is. And then renaming it. So, uh, yes, but it also helps that it's the yeah. same and just set off by 4,000 years or so. Neat. So, basically, uh, according to this calendar, the official, like, m totally moonless night is two days from now. But uh, she would kind of say that the spirit of, of the uh, what she's saying is that you just want to be able to see the stars and a night that has like a full moon or a half moon, you can see fewer stars than a night that has no moon. 
So it's not so much that you have to be there like on a totally right. moonless night, but on a night that has as little moonlight as possible so you can see as many stars as possible. <laughs> so it's it's more of a range. It's more like a like a week range type of thing, like two or three days give or take of the that day. And I think that that's pretty much all that he's interested in also real quick though campaign journal wise what month are we in calistrial it's a very long way from other events of the story okay okay i don't remember if i asked does Orin know anything about the kellid shrine religious wise Um, like who it's dedicated to or anything like that yeah you can roll a knowledge religion to see what it would be Ooh. Natural 20. Ooh. Nice. Um, yeah, so you would you would know uh, about this. Um, the uh, the Kelids, a lot of them worship uh, Gorum, but uh, Desna is also a very popular deity for the Kelids, uh, as they are a they often are a nomadic people, and Desna is the uh, goddess of travel and. Also, the goddess of luck and stars and, and all of that other stuff. Um, but the two deities that probably most emblemize them as a, as a people would be Gorum and Desna. And so it kind of lines up with what you would know is that Desna having a uh, a uh, affinity with stars that um, going on a night that has as much starlight as possible right. would be preferable. So Orange just like, yep, checks out. <laughs> All checks out. Yeah. And again, as she's talking, she's very knowledgeable and like Orin you're you're realizing is like, yeah, she's basically saying like her interpretation sounds pretty decent. Uh yeah. I still ain't going. You as a person or your character? <laughs> both <laughs> little column a little column b so orin would have a, a reason to not want to go down there how many survivors are left uh how many survivors in our 26? group in your group um i think you guys have 25 or 26 something like that yeah i can't remember if the 27 included zeph uh, no, I I think I, I I marked it down when he died. So I think it's I okay. think it's twenty. Yeah, because with Edrin leaving, I good. think. Oh well, yeah, Edrin. Edrin left. So yeah, twenty six. Yeah. So twenty six. Yeah, twenty six is what it is now. Th- those are my reasons, Andrew. If you're wondering. Ah, uh, because there's so many. Survivors. I don't see a reason. Yeah, I don't see a reason to go to the shrine to save one person's spirit. Sure. <laughs> Sure. And we have 26 people who I was just curious. we need to take care of. Yeah, yeah. That's my last question. If we don't do anything, is Ilika harmed to anyone else in her current state? Uh, Veld would have no idea what Ilika's current state is, so she wouldn't be able to say one way or the other. Well, um, the lady with the possession. Could we bring Ilika to the hermit? Is that a thing? I don't think that would help. Veld would say that, again, the visions, they don't give you, like, specific times. 
so the visions don't indicate that it's an immediate like you have to go there right now nor do they indicate that you have a lot of time to do it so that part she can't really speak to we perform an exorcism Um, Iden is going to get up and is going to start leaving. And he'll turn again to look at Veld. I hope the robes are some comfort to you. No harm better come to Niari. And he'll leave. Volus will have sensed Nairi being upset and just kind of, you know, bumbles up to her and kind of like nuzzles her a little bit while she's there crying. And after a while, she'll stop. And then it's just kind of a blank look on her face and... Exhaustion. And it, she just kind of sits there and stares ahead at this tree that she hacked apart. Doesn't really know what to do. Orin will just walk out as well and just look back at Veld and say, Thanks for the help, I guess. <laughs> and walk out. I guess, uh, I guess in order to just kind of progress things there, I would just gently, uh, you know, uh, address Nayari. Are you okay? Can you stand? Wordlessly, you should just pick up her axe and stand up. Not say anything. Um, who has the, all these supplies from Veld at this point? Is Nairi carrying that stuff on her? Or is that I still in the building? probably still has it. Because um, I imagine she would have put... She would have either put the items traded into the haversack or given them to people while you guys were working. I would imagine that I probably put the anti-plague in the haversack thinking that that was for the guy back at the camp that needs it and then probably would have given the wand to Theros since he was the one that has the current wand. So I would imagine the wand's in your possession. And I still have plenty of ability to carry stuff, so that's not an issue. Um, Orin will, you know, looking at Nihari and all of us after working that day, do a, a channel energy, do a little prayer and channel some energy to uh, make everybody feel better. <laughs> Wait, what wand did you give to me again? Whoops. Oh, wait, that didn't roll right. That did not roll right. <laughs> I typed too fast. Too uh, Andrew, she gave you a wand of cure light wounds. Okay, we did With finally. 50 charges. Got it. Mm. Holy crap. Mm. I'm glad you misrolled that first one. <laughs> I think that basically puts everybody at max and uh, gets rid of any non-lethal damage that you had. So, nice. 
And Belt's like, ooh, that felt really good. Thanks. <laughs> Ward's like eyeing her suspiciously, like, <laughs> did that heal her or hurt her? <laughs> Ward doesn't there? know what to do, so he just sends <laughs> yeah. out positive vibes. Yeah. <laughs> we chilling. That's all I'm doing. I'm like, all right. Yeah. This is weird. She's crying. I don't like this. Here's, here's, some, here's some good vibes, man. Yeah. Thank you to them. Nice. I suppose we should all head back to camp if we are. We have everything we need here. Again, Aiden is just readying Jesper to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll just go where you guys want to. <laughs> and yeah, let's go back to camp. Okay. Is everybody in agreement with that uh, yeah, idea? Absolutely. We have an okay. exorcism to perform. Well, we don't know what we need to do aside from... Well, we know I'm what kidding. Veld saw. <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't know what it all means yet. Wait, hey, you know what? I'm a, I'm, who's not in for a good exorcism every the, Tuesday the night? The power of Torog compels you! <laughs> the power of Torog compels you! I'm gonna run up and throw holy water on her. Okay, so as you guys are making your way back to camp, uh, it's getting a little bit darker now um, as you are ending the day here. Uh, you make it about halfway back, and I want everybody to roll a perception check. Okay. Can I not roll it? I, that's what I, I was hesitating there, just whether or not I, I wanted to say not am you. I'm not perceiving. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> That's Ooh, a good quote. It's because it's becoming towards the end of the day, right? That's why Oren can see so well. <laughs> Actually, right. what time That's of right. day is it? Uh, it's getting closer to the evening now. You guys basically had five hexes left of movement, and uh, this perception check is happening when you have like two left, so it's getting pretty late. Uh, mm. Functionally, everything would be very dim lit. Um, so with those three perception checks... As you guys are walking down the, walking through the forest on your way back to camp, you hear a large, a loud crash, like a tree that has been uh, hit and has started to crumble and collapse to the ground. And Orin, you hear, in addition to this, you hear a uh, a sort of shrieking noise and growling hissing noise, coming not far away. <laughs> well, that sounded. Really big. Did you guys hear that? Uh, yep. Is that a tree? <laughs> we do what heroes do. Uh, Mildly heroic heroes. Away. <laughs> nope, go towards the scary noises. Alright. Yeah, let's go. Let's, okay. let's take it. So you guys can all place yourselves in that little box area. Where would we be coming from? Uh, I'm going to reveal more, but put yourselves in the middle of it somewhere. You can be anywhere in there, but you'd be coming from like the southern upwards kind okay. of. Okay, because Nayari's in the back, and yes. she's not really moving. Like if they moved at a quicker pace, like she's just kind of stumbling along. Orin's definitely going to take up the use of not today, Droskar, you know, like a play on the not today, Satan. <laughs> going to be the not today, Droskar. 
Okay. That reminds me of the die potato. Not to die. Not to die. The old ASDF <laughs> video movie. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a callback right there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Gracious. Oh, it's Gashma! Ah, this pig! I'm about to roast him. Deuce so, it. you guys uh, come to this small clearing here, and you see a huge boar. And not far from it is another creature that um, you might not recognize. Uh, who all has knowledge arcana? I do, but I don't know if I'd roll it in this case. Okay. That is fine. I don't. I do okay. not either. Okay, so nobody has knowledge arcana, so... Can you click um, on it for us, though, so I can see the icon? Because that thing looks snazzy. Wow. Whoa, oh. it's like a Medusa cat. That ain't right. Something like wrong that. with that cat. Oh, that ain't right. Sarah, That's do you unnatural. still love this kind of cat? I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> I love all cats. <laughs> Even the ones okay, that will rip so. out your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as you guys approach, you see that these two creatures are kind of like facing each other and the uh, the boar is kind of shrieking out and the, uh, the cat-like creature is growling and they're both in a very defensive stance, almost as if they're about to charge at each other. But as soon as you guys show up, they both kind of look in your direction and are startled and the boar immediately bolts away into the forest uh, kind of like away from both you guys and this cat-like creature. And at first, this other creature looks like it's about to like lash out at it, but the boar gets away too quickly. And this cat is left, and it kind of turns back towards you, and it takes up that similar uh, stance. And I need everybody to roll for initiative. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so Iden is a fifteen, Orin is a fourteen, uh, Theros is also a fifteen. Fourteen. Fourteen, sorry. And Nayari is 18. Okay. So top of the round is actually Nayari. I will delay. She will delay. Aiden, you are up. You see this creature in the distance uh, snarling at you. Yeah, I'm not wasting any more time today. Five foot step, shoot at with a bow. Okay. You five footstep where? I did. I took it. Oh, you already five footstep. Okay. I guess I can go there too. Actually, just close the distance a little bit. I don't know how far that is. I'm still within range. It's fine. Yeah, you're within one range increment of the bow. Uh huh. So you can make one attack against it. Hmm. There we go. Okay, that will hit for eight piercing damage. Yeah, and nice. uh, I assume. I know how this works, but it doesn't really make sense. Uh, 
you don't have to know the creature type for favorite enemy to happen, right? Correct. Like, even though, like, you have no idea that it is your favorite enemy, if it, it technically doesn't... is your favorite enemy, you still get bonuses. Correct. Okay. I figure that's how it worked. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. Well, it only makes sense because rangers don't get knowledge checks to identify things that they can pick as favorite enemies. Yeah. Like Magical Beast, for example. I don't have knowledge arcana. Yeah. So I would know that this is a Magical Beast, and I will go ahead and look up that. I haven't done a buff for it because it hasn't happened. And where to uh, find them. So it is actually 10 points of damage with that. Yes. Theros and Volus, you're up. Hmm. Guess, uh... Theros will move... It is what that thing's speed pretty far away. Um I'll run up there and uh let's see what do we want to cast? Anything today? Why not? Hey Jason, I'm sorry to interrupt real quick, but a ranger can actually make a knowledge check on trained to identify. So he could technically roll knowledge arcana to identify this creature. Okay. Yeah, Josh, so. roll uh, knowledge arcana and also roll me a 20% mischance because I forgot that it is dim light. Sorry, Theros, I didn't mean to interrupt your turn. No, no you're, you're good. good. It um, might take okay. him a moment to just think over what this thing is and he can just. Knowledge arcana, <laughs> I don't have any ranks in it, so I can just take an intelligence check, right? Uh, basically, yeah. Okay. Okay. But and also roll twenty percent mischance. Okay, does okay, so you're good. So everything happened. Yep. And right. back to Theros. Yeah. Just trying to think here. Okay. Um, I'm going to. Theros is going to cast burning sands underneath it. Okay. No idea what that is. Um, here I can. Sheets of hot sand is spread over the ground in the area. The layer of sand is one foot deep, constantly shifts and turns, transforming the area into difficult terrain. And the sand itself burns periodically. One d four points of fire damage to any creature that ends its turn in contact with the ground within the area of effect. At the end of the duration, the sand vanishes. It is twenty foot radius. One round total. Okay, so where are you uh, placing? We'll use the probably fire token right there. Yeah, that would extend it a little bit. Out so there, and it's in a twenty-foot radius. Yeah, maybe I'll have a better idea exactly where it's going to be when I can have a visual of the radius. Okay. Can you see the radius, or do I have to also mm -hmm. make it editable? You have to make it editable. See it at all. So does that mean, like... Can I cast it here, then, instead? How does the radius work? Is it like this? Oh, my goodness. Huh? <laughs> Got some... Never mind. Weird blocks here. I thought... 
I thought that like the radius in Pathfinder worked differently than like it, in a circle. I just couldn't remember. Or, yeah, it technically does. It's so technically the radius would work on an intersection like that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then it would go out uh, wherever from there. you want to place it. That's close. Yeah. That's close enough. Wherever. Okay. <laughs> so you cast that. So you move up and you cast that, and that is your turn. Uh, what did this volus do? Anything? Um. I'll, uh, I, he, Theris can tell Nyari's still out of it, so I just tell Volus to protect Nyari. Okay. Defend, I guess, technically is the trick. Okay. And, uh, Orin, it is your turn. Okay. I'm gonna use Spiritual Weapon. Okay. So you can cast that medium range. Okay, that's fine. Yep. And it gets uh, 1d8 plus 1 per 3 cast level. So it's 1d8 plus 1 damage. Yep, and it uses my wisdom modifier as the Yeah, your, your base attack bonus plus your wisdom modifier. Yep. So how would I roll that? To see if it hits. Uh, so what you would have to do is you'd have to just roll. You just have to add them up. So your wisdom is five, and your base attack bonus is two. So it would just be a d twenty plus seven. Uh, and you just have to. You'd have to write that in. Uh, in the chat. One d twenty plus seven is correct, but wow. the uh, to hit there is very low. Uh, so this uh, this. Uh, Warhammer of Force. I assume Torag is Warhammer. Correct. Uh, this Warhammer of Force appears right next to the the creature there and uh, takes a, a swing at it, but the creature just lively ducks out of the way and it misses. That was your standard action. You can still move if you so desire. And that'll be my turn. Okay. It is now its turn. It can now no longer charge, which sucks, because that's what I was going to have it do. Yeah, I did something! I did something (laughs) useful! Okay, so it will move like so, getting outside of the sand, but it had to do its full turn to do that because of the difficult terrain and not being able to charge and all of that. So that is its turn. Uh, Nayari, you're up. I guess you'll just kind of stumble towards where they are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like, she's not really super paying attention to what's going on. Okay. Next up is Aiden again. Awesome. Well, with that favored enemy bonus, that's pretty nice. We're gonna take another five-foot step. 
And this time we're going to blast him with rapid shot. Okay. But I got that favorite terrain, favorite enemy. I got everything going for me right now. Let's see if that doesn't translate. Ooh, an 18 or a 21 hit? A 21 will hit. 10 points of damage. <laughs> this music is okay. like my hero vibes. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I went ahead and programmed a buff in there. I think it did it correctly. Because my two hit should nice be... Nice shots, dude. Actually, and how no. many of those magic arrows do you have? Zero. I have none left. Those are the last two. Okay. Okay. And... Uh, Actually, did that add correctly? I hope it did. Give me a second. Eros, it is your turn. Yes. Um, uh, he's right next to uh, Oren, so he's going to cast Guidance on Oren. Okay. So he'll have that little buff next turn. Yeah. And then uh, he'll... I still have a move action, right? Yes. And he's just going to back up a little bit to... Yeah, to here. Okay. And is Volus still defending Nayari? Or do you give yeah, him a different he, command? He, he's still defending Nayari, so I'd assume he'd just be right up next to her. Following. Okay. <laughs> Fighting... <laughs> And, <laughs> and Oren, it is your turn. <laughs> so first we'll move. So should I do the bonus? So if I understand correctly, the spiritual weapon is just a bonus action that I get now. Now that it's already been cast, right? Like it doesn't use my standard action to move that correct and for it to do its attack because like after i've casted it it now is pretty much just attacking the target that i had already designated that yes uh right i think it can move 20 feet 20 feet yep yes and attack within five okay so it can move there and get its attack yeah it's only a move action to redirect it to a new target Yep, yep, I'm reading it here. Okay, so that uh, does not hit. Oh, man. Rude. Does that include the guidance? Um, uh, I don't think the guidance works on the hammer. Uh, Oh, on the magic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Uh, if Oren doesn't attack himself, we would factor guidance into that. Gotcha. Guidance... The subject of the touch with divine grace. Hmm. I don't see why it wouldn't work, but because the hammer wasn't the subject. Yeah, right. But he's it's his spell. You know what I mean? I hear you though. It was but it's a separate entity. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right. it was also cast before. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But he'll get it on his next attack still. Yeah, if if he decides to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Risk it. For the Yeah. Take a swing at him. Ooh, or do I want to inflict light wounds? Do I have inflict light wounds? I do. No, I don't. Because I don't want to provoke. 
So I'm just gonna swing with the mace. Are you sure you don't want to provoke? I am positive. <laughs> I've already rolled. I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> uh, that is gonna hit. It will not confirm, right. but that will hit. Three points of damage. Okay. It is now its turn. It is going to take a full attack on oh, Orin. How many snakes is that? I so, hate when you say full attack. <laughs> first nice. off, we're going to do um, <laughs> a bite attack. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, it's a low roll, only a 15. Nope. It's then going to attack with two claws. Miss. Uh, miss. And then two of the snakes on its <laughs> shoulders are going to lash out at you as well. At least it's not all of them, Sarah. That's a lot worse. Uh, and this really one does misses. Some, like, my hero, like, plus ultra kind of vibe, so. The first one misses, but the second one is a 21 to hit. Gross. Which I think hits. Yes, yeah. Which I think hits. You sound like Chef John from foodwishes.com. <laughs> you take four points of damage and roll a fortitude save. Yes, sir. Texas. Load. There we go. Detroit Slam. Okay, you are fine. If anybody gets bit by a snake, it needs to be me. Strong against that poison. It's then going to five foot step over there, and that will be its turn. Nayari, you are up again. Alright, so at this point, she understands what's going on. She's not, you know, stupid. She's kind of dumb because she's got an intelligence of eight, but she will. Uh, and so huge I was reading. Penalties. Yeah, I was reading that. You know, people's interpretation of what wisdom damage does. And some people said, like, one person said it's like being drunk, but without the good part of being <laughs> drunk. Um, so I'm assuming that she understands that she's, like, not not able to, like, run up and probably hit this thing. So she's going to draw out um, the wand, one of the wands of magic missile. And she will use that and cast okay. that at it. So a big old whopping one d four. Is that one d four plus one? Yes. Three. Okay, one, two, three. And there goes a charge. Aiden, it is your turn. Uh, can you roll another retroactive percentile die on that last hit you had? Because I forgot to do it again. Okay. Okay, you're good. Uh, now take your turn. Hmm. I'm debating what I want to do. If I want to charge, if I want to get into flanking, or if I want to charge and get into flanking and provoke. <laughs> but I think the smartest thing to do would be just to get into flanking. Because you get the same plus two, but without the minus two to AC. Right? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm taking inspiration from Sarah and adding buffs for those kinds of things. Okay. So, 
20 feet of movement. Should be able to get in there without provoking. It will take an attack of opportunity because its uh, snakes have 10 foot reach. As reach. And then I should have just charged. I should have just uh, charged. That's going to be a miss. Cool. Should have just charged. That would have been nice. I would have gotten a plus four, but that's okay. Two-handed power attack with a uh, favorite enemy all up in this. And I have flanking as well. So that's yes. end to hit. Hopefully. With a great sword. 24 to hit. 24 will hit. Four, it's uh, looking pretty rough. That's a lot of damage, damage it's taken. That's a terrible damage roll, though, too, actually. It's too bad. So it's, take, it's taking a decent amount of damage. It's looking pretty hurt. Uh, and then the... Yeah, okay. And yeah, we're good. Theros and Volus, you guys are up again. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Theros is going to cast Burning Gaze at it. Okay. There you go. Calls. As a standard action, as long as this spell's in effect persists, you may direct your gaze against a single target. Oh, do you need me to roll mischance again? Yes, yes. I just realized that. It's dim light, so every time. Okay. Okay. So if I'm interpreting this correctly, you cast the spell, and then afterwards, every standard action... It doesn't sound like you get a, an immediate chance to deal the damage, or am I reading it wrong? Because mm-hmm. unlike spiritual weapon, it does not say that you... It says, so it says, as a standard action, as long as the spell's effect persists. It doesn't say, like, spiritual weapon, where it says it immediately gets an attack. No, this is one of those dumb ones, like adhesive spittle, that yeah. should work in the same action, but don't, for a reason that isn't immediately clear. So it'd be a standard action to cast it, and then every sure I'm not looking at the wrong round. person at first. <laughs> I'm accidentally glancing yeah. at Orin as I cast it. Oh! I think the way it works, and this every is why round you can take a standard action to then do the gaze. The problem is yes, although it is silly. What what is the level of this spell? Level two. It's yeah. Well, that's why. So at level two, you can use it against one person because it will only last two rounds. That's why those kinds of things are silly to me. It's 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 not rounds per level by the spell level. It's by the caster level. Right, that's what I mean. Well, yeah, so it'll be more now. But the earliest that you could get it, it you normally don't get the chance to use it more than once. But yeah. Yeah, uh, but as you level up, you get it for increasing numbers of time. Yeah, absolutely. So. Just like anything else, though. Yeah, you can uh, cast that spell... And uh, from this point onwards, uh, you can... Oh, goodness. Okay, so from this point onwards, you can take a standard action to uh, make it provoke the damage. It gets a fortitude save, but if it fails, there's a reflex save to catch fire. Okay, we'll get to that when that happens. Okay, uh, you still have a movement and Volus. Yeah. Um, he's going to, I guess, move up. Two, 
move up to here, I guess, and then tell Volus to attack. Okay. So I, Volus can do one attack. Yep, Volus goes into attack. It makes another attack of opportunity because it does have combat reflexes. Oh, yeah. That's that's nice. It misses. Good. All right, come on, bear. The snake, snakes have a very, very low to hit. Well, nope, so does Volus, apparently. <laughs> yes, that is, that is not going to hit. He was just too okay. confused. Wait, I was supposed to defend Nyari? Okay, okay, I'll attack now. Okay, so... It is Orin's turn. The uh, spiritual weapon gets over there and can make its attack again. And I think this is the last attack that it gets. It is. Yeah, it'll yes. evaporate after this. Yes. Poof. Uh, even with Bad flanking, rolls. that is... It doesn't actually get it. It doesn't get flanking. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then it definitely <laughs> is a miss. Do I get flanking? Yeah, you get flanking. You get flanking with uh, Aiden, yes. Aiden, okay. Aiden! But... That is still going to miss. It's still going to miss, is right. That inflatable okay. hammer, man, just having a hard time today. It is its turn. It's going to five foot step back, and I need everyone within 15 feet. Is everyone but Neary? Oh, goodness, no, sorry. That's a 30 foot. Sorry. That's everyone. Uh, yeah, everybody roll a fortitude save. As this thing opens its mouth and all of the all of the snakes kind of line up around it and open their mouths and they spew forth this noxious gas at everyone. And some of those saves Question. are definitely going to succeed. My <laughs> Blightburn campaign trait gives me a plus two trait bonus on fortitude saving throws against disease or poison. It says your choice. This is nice. It's not. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, then I guess I'm boned. <laughs> and, I think uh, Volus, too. Yes, Volus oh, yeah. as well. Okay. So, Oof. everyone except Aiden and Oren fall asleep <gasps> for two rounds. Cool. <laughs> cool. And that is Wait, its turn. Question. Yes. Is this a magic sleep effect? No, it is not. It is a sleep effect, but it is not a magical sleep oh, effect. Dang it. it is a uh, it is a ability that this creature has. Okay. It is not a spell like ability or anything like that. Okay. Darn. Carry yeah, on. So it was worth a shot. <laughs> keep keep. Oh. Just go ahead. All right, oh, keep sorry. your secrets. It's not, it doesn't, so you're not asleep for 1d4 rounds. It's usable every 1d4 rounds. The creatures fall asleep for five minutes. Okay. Oh, nice. So they're out of the Thanks for clarifying. So long. Slapping or wounding awakens a creature put to sleep by this attack, but normal noise does not. So if you attack one of your allies, they will wake up. Oh, well, that's good, too. <laughs> so you could, you could power attack Volus, and you could wake him up. Or maybe not Volus, but this could be a good opportunity to get some revenge on Nyari. Yeah, so Nyari, it is your turn, but you are asleep, so we will skip you. Skip you! 
Aiden, it is your turn. You see that uh, everyone just falls asleep as this gas gas washes over them, except for you and Oren. Oh, you know the drill. Okay. Two-foot step. He's going to come on down with his big old hammer. Sword. Go ahead and make an attack. But I'm no longer flanking, so I can turn that off. Correct. Here it be. There we Ooh. go. That is definitely a hit. It does not confirm. That Holy confirmed, 41 damage. damage. That would have, have been real good. Tasty. Actually, Yum. the way flanking works, are you flanking? Uh, you can't flank with spiritual weapon. Otherwise, yeah. yes. No, but like... No. Are you not flanking with him? Because you can draw a line straight from... Oh, actually, you're right. I am flanking. Because of his size. Because you can... Because all you yeah. so all you is it oh, so with flanking is it a corner or is it the center because I can't remember because it's different it, from cover. I I think, I think that that Orin would have to be here. Yeah, I think he has to be a step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was sent out about whether two creatures flank the opponent in the middle. Trace an imaginary line from the two attackers' centers. Yeah. Yeah. So from the centers, it would not be flanking. Okay. Correct. Yep. It is because I knew it was different than cover, but I didn't know exactly. But yeah, if you were like, so a no, even then, yeah. So I should have should have should have charged for the flanking. Should've yeah. So if Iden was here and Oren was here, it would still be flanking. Yes. So yeah. since it is not flanking, it is a hit, but it is not a critical hit. The creature looks extremely bad now. It is uh, taking a a significant amount of damage. Theros and Volus, you are both asleep. Orin, it is your turn. Damage roll was crazy, though. Six, six, two, five. That's why it was so high. The uh, spiritual weapon, I believe, at this turn disappears. Yes. Yeah. We can get rid of the sand as well. And Orin, it is your turn. This thing is looking real bad. I'm going to try and inflict light wounds. Okay. So that'll go so ahead that, and provoke. That will provoke. It's going to bite you. Okay. There's a 22 to hit. Yep, that hits. So that is four points of damage. And because you took damage while casting a spell, I think you have to roll a concentration check. Okay. Um, I think it's just DC 10 plus the damage taken. So I think it's just DC... F yeah, injured while casting is damage dealt plus spell level. So I think it's just DC 15 which would actually be lower than if you had cast defensively, and uh, you succeed. So you keep the spell, and you can make your attack like normal. You do not lose the spell. So Okay. 1d8 plus 3? Uh, I think you still have to make a touch attack with Inflict Light Wounds. Because it is a, a melee touch attack to hit the creature, right? Might be. Let me check. <clears throat> it's creature touched instantaneous when laying hands upon a creature you channel negative energy that deals 1d8 plus 1 damage per caster it doesn't say at least not on this one it just says one standard action touch I don't know at least I'm pretty sure range is touched so it's a when laying your hand upon a creature you channel negative energy so it's got to be a touch attack, right? 
Yes, touch attack required. Okay. Melee touch, save for half. It also requires a touch attack against an unwilling foe. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, uh, this is an unwilling foe. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. But it is a touch attack, so that is slightly easier to hit. Do I get any bonuses for that? It's uh, a, a melee touch attack would be your base attack bonus plus your strength modifier. Okay. Yes. One. Plus, if, yeah, well, it's base fine now. Two, 1d20 plus 3 then. Okay. Oh, you can get flanking on that stuff too, just to remember in the future. Yeah, if you 5 foot oh, step, yeah. you can get flanking on that. I did mean to do that to five okay. foot step. Will you allow it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I was gonna say I did. I did mean to five foot step to give us flanking. One d twenty plus. So flanking gives a plus one. Plus two. So it'd be one d twenty plus five. Five. Okay. Against its touch AC. God. That is exactly its touch oh, AC. Oh man. <laughs> touch AC of twelve. Plus. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, and I did get a plus one from the, the guidance, right? Because I didn't calculate that in. Or is that still going? Uh, guidance triggers whenever you want it to. Uh, okay. So if you weren't intending to use it on the attacks that you had already done them. before, yeah. then it would apply here if you hadn't used it yet. Yep. Six, Six damage. damage. Whew. It, Not yet. Not yet. It's, it, it's close. <laughs> He's like, it's one health point away. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty close to one health point away. <laughs> pretty close. Um, like, yeah. It's, it is its turn. Probably its final turn. Um, it's going to full attack. Uh, Aiden. Mm. Because you've done the so majority much. of its health and damage. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. oh, so the the bite is only a fourteen to hit. No sir. <laughs> First Nine claw. Oh goodness! I rolled a seven and eight a one. Get out of here! The two snakes. Another seven. Try again. And next year. One. So all of You're those. Hundred years too early. <laughs> No, like, uh, you can't. Time. It will. It will step back. <laughs> um, that is its turn. Nayari is asleep. Aiden, you're up. This is like the centaur all over again. Yeah. You know what? Why not? What do Get that flake do? I'll take well, that. I'll take that. Yeah. You haven't touched me yet. Another one, so that's another match. <laughs> three ones that I've rolled in the last five attacks. <laughs> you haven't touched me yet. How's it feel Get to roll like us? How's it feel? Get that flanking. Now here, for all that talk, I'm going to get a nat one here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a nat one, but it's a not hit. That does not hit. Curses. It's funny that your damage was more than your attack roll. <laughs> that was again. I, I've had actually some terrible damage rolls, to be honest. And down to Orin. It's your turn again. You are now flanking again. You are flanking again. This thing is on its last legs. I don't think that hits. That's 
No. 17? No. No, yeah. that does not hit. Yeah. Wow, it, it got another round. I it wasn't really expecting have. that. <laughs> no, I would intend to hit. I didn't think it was going to have that happen. Uh-oh. Um, it is... So it is extremely hurt. It is going to withdraw and attempt to run away. And I believe it can do so without provoking. No. Just barely. Yeah. I believe it can withdraw without provoking, and it has 40-foot movement, so it goes 80 feet into the forest. And I will give you guys one round to try to figure out how to either stop it or let it go. Aiden, it is your turn. It has bonuses from cover. Uh, we haven't been doing the concealment still. Um, <laughs> That's right. Such a pain. It is 80 feet from you in the forest, Dimlet. Whoops. I didn't mean to post that. <laughs> Your turn, Oren. What are you doing? He's right. throwing his hand. <laughs> Click the wrong button. You moved. What was that? Move down and pick up my bow. Okay. That's it. Okay. Oren, is there anything you want to do on your turn? Uh. Not much I can really do. Um. How far away is he? He is 80 feet from you, but I can't actually have him on the map and be that far away, so... Right. Okay. Um... So you could move action, get to within 50 feet of him. Mm -hmm. um, or you could double move, but he would then get further away from you. His speed is 40, so he 40. does move faster than you. So unless you have some way of hitting him, he will escape. So, I will take my... No, I still don't think that'll be enough. I mean, my crossbow's 80 feet, but it's not... I It takes a turn to load that, right? It's a heavy crossbow? It's a Masterwork light crossbow. Oh. Then you're so fine. It is a... Action, but you'd have to oh, pull it out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't have it prepared yeah. and ready and out and good. To yeah, go. without without rapid shot, it would take pretty much the whole turn to get it ready. Yeah, to get it ready to fire the next turn. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Leave it there, but I think he's gonna get away. Yeah, you uh, you get ready, and it <laughs> continues to flee into the uh, Fangwood. Another hundred uh, with a run speed. It, it's really far away. It's it's gone. It's out of it sight. It can't run through the woods, though, technically, because stuff would be in its way. But yeah, you don't Iden. know what its abilities are. That's fair. But Iden's gonna <laughs> track it down. So okay, 
Oh, oh are we ch- we're chasing after it? I mean, I'll All chase right. after it, but uh, I didn't go into. It's getting yeah. close to night. Yeah, you don't but care. you can do so. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're so. currently two miles from the camp. Okay, so I'm a. I'm the only one that's injured. How do you want to do what? this? You want to like roll? Um, what's it called? Survival checks to track it and figure out how much time has passed to find it, or how do you want to do that? Yeah, the question is how long you want to go because um, you will be going through the night to track it. Because mm. again, like like I like I was saying, it's basically like nine o'clock at this point, like nine thirty. Like you have two hexes worth of movement. It's like very end of day. Uh, so you can track it probably, but it's going to take a lot of time. It is moving quickly. So you will catch up to it once it stops moving, basically. Right. I realize that if you, and if it perceives you before you arrive, it will probably run again. So this is, this is going to take a while. You can do it, but it is going to take time. So how long do you want to track this thing and how far are you willing to go? Well, the concerns of the group is, is there. Um, I think Aiden is going to go far enough that he gets a sense of where it is and try to take like a mental mark of where he last saw it. And so maybe, you know, not, not too long. Cause he knows he's got to take care of the rest of them. So maybe 10 minutes or so just follow where he thinks it went, kind of give himself like marking as he goes. So he knows where to find it again. And then he'll double back to the group. He'll, he'll deal with it later, but he's not going to let it just go away kind of situation okay roll a perception and survival check perception because it is getting dark so it's going to be hard to find and then survival to track there's my perception and this is against my favorite enemy so survival and and the terrain everything gets added into that there's a 22 and plus my ranger level to track so that's a 23 plus half ranger level of track, so yeah, 23. Yep. So, over 10 minutes, you're able to follow the tracks just fine, but they do keep going. Um, They don't really show any sign of it. Like, it slows down a little bit, but it keeps going. Um, You don't find, like, it's den or anything. Uh, You get a general sense of the direction that it headed, and you could maybe come back and and pick up the trail later. Um, But Unless you want to keep going through the night, uh, it's, it, no. it'll take more than 10 minutes to catch up to this thing. Right, absolutely. He's going to just leave a little etching in a tree or maybe some rope or something. He'll mark it in some way that so he can find it easy again in the future. Okay. And then he'll double back to the group. Okay. Hmm. So you guys are all back there and... Um, I assume you guys are just gonna head back to camp now. Then, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, we're, we're all still asleep. So, somebody gonna slap uh, us? Only lasts five minutes. It would have taken longer for him to follow okay. those tracks. Uh, imagine yeah. Orin just standing over us, just waiting and watching, not waking us <laughs> up. Just anytime now. He's got his arms crossed. He's tapping his foot. <laughs> Did I see any uh, marks from Gashma at all while I was walking? Yeah, you saw several trees that had the uh, indicative circular carving on them from one of Gashma's tusks. And uh, 
roll we, another survival check. I would say if we hop over to the hex map, can I just like mark where that is? Yes. I completely forgot that we were at the cabin now. <laughs> Why does like, everything what? escape us? The 26. So you, so you guys were right in this hex. So 26, you get the uh, the distinct sense that um, these carvings are all very, very new. And what, what you assume to happen, and with that survival check, you get the idea that it looks like Gashma is migrating. Right, that's what uh, I was thinking. That's why I was chasing them more than I would have otherwise. And it makes sense. Storm just hit, probably has driven Gashma further in this direction. Uh, maybe that's also what happened with the other creature that you fought. But uh, you don't know exactly how far they went. They went over in this direction. Um, but uh, yeah, 